you can go ahead and open it up or turn it on to Ephesians chapter 2 is where we're going to get to in just a few uh, minutes, all right? So when you get there, you can go ahead and hang tight. Uh, we'll be there in just a few minutes. We're going to read Ephesians 2, 11 through 22. Like I said, we're not going there right now, so just go ahead and be ready to go. If you are here for the very first time, my name is Mark and I am the lead pastor here and we are excited to have you here with us today at our Advent uh, Christmas service. If you are here today and you're brand new, you've never been here before, we have a free gift for you. Uh, at the end of service, we always give everybody a moment or two to fill out what we call a connection card that's either in your seat or on the back of the seat in front of you, and you can just take that to the welcome area out there in the lobby. We've got a free gift for everybody that's new here. Um, but after church, we're having a, we're having a, a meal here today. Uh, maybe that's why a lot of you came. You heard there was free chicken at church. Let's go. And uh, so, uh, so today, uh, we want to invite everybody. If you've never been here before, uh, you're invited to stick around. If you uh, didn't bring, a lot of people brought food. If you didn't bring anything, you're invited to stick around. So everybody's invited to stick around today uh, for lunch to be a part of that. Um, there's already tables and chairs out there. It's going to take a little bit at the end of service to set up some more uh, because this is a really good crowd and I see we're bringing out seats actually right now just to get people in the service here. Um, and so, uh, but, but you're invited to stick around for that. Today we are wrapping up a series that we've been in since the beginning of Advent called Waiting. Uh, just like Alex said, we've been learning what it means to wait. Advent means waiting. It means anticipation. And we've been learning what it means to go through this Christmas season, this Advent season, and wait. Because let's just be honest, it's, it's really hard to go through this season and wait, isn't it? It's really hard to go through this season and, and wait, especially on God. It's honestly really hard to go through this season and not just think about shopping all the time, right? I don't know if you knew this or not. I read a couple of weeks ago, uh, and there's nothing wrong with shopping on Black Friday or anything like that. Or, you know, or, I mean, I'm, I, you know, I bought gifts and, and all that stuff. But did you know that just a couple of weeks ago on Black Friday, Black Friday just a couple of weeks ago, over 20 Billion dollars was spent on Black Friday. It's the largest, most, most amount of money ever, ever brought in on a Black Friday. Did you hear that? 20, over, over 20 billion dollars. A couple days after that, Cyber Monday, it brought in over 7 billion dollars on Cyber Monday. Um, I like how every, every day has a shopping name now in this season. I didn't realize until yesterday, I heard somebody on the news call yesterday, Super Saturday. And I just feel like at this point, we've ran out of names for shopping days, uh, if that's what we're going with for Super Saturday. But it's really hard to not go through the season uh, and, and not be a consumer, isn't it? And I feel like we can do that really easily with our whole lives. Just our, our whole lives, we can have this mindset of what's in it for me. What will I get out of this? Uh, what will you bring to me? What kind, of what kind of benefit will I get from you or from this experience? It's really hard to not go through your whole life and not be a consumer. You can even do that with your faith, can't you? You, you can live your life as a Christian if you're here today and you're a follower of Christ. You can live your life as a Christian and be a consumer and, and, and do that and not even realize it. And I feel like one of the ways that we do that really easily as Christians is we're consumers when it comes to the church. A lot of times when we think about church, we don't think about how can, I, how can I use my gifts? How can I help this church flourish? How can I serve and love these people and reach this, reach this community together? A lot of times when we think about church, we think about what's in it for me. 
Is this church going to meet my needs? Uh, Hey, is this church going to meet the needs of my family? What am I going to get out of this? And what I want us to see today as we're wrapping up this season of Advent, because it's really easy to think that Jesus came for us. And listen, he did. It's really easy to think Jesus was born so that I can be saved. And listen, he was. Jesus was born so that I, you, we could be saved. But Jesus didn't just come for a person. Jesus came for a people. If if Advent shows us anything, it's that Jesus didn't simply come for you and I as individuals. Jesus came for a people. I don't know if you realize it or not, but you have entered into something today that is extremely supernatural. I don't know if you realize it or not, but right now as you're here, you are in the middle of something that was God's idea, birthed by God and maintained by God. We say, what are you talking about? I'm talking about the church. That Jesus didn't just come for a person. Jesus came for a people. And as we're thinking about waiting, as we're we're all in this season of waiting, I don't know what you're waiting on, but what I want us to see today and what we're going to see from the Word of God is that if Advent shows us anything, not only are we waiting as individuals, we are waiting together. I want us to see a couple of things today about who we are as the church because Jesus was born, because Jesus came as he came not just for a person but a people. And the first thing that Advent shows us is that the church is essential. The church is essential. If you were here for the very first week of this series a couple of weeks ago, when we went through the entire storyline of the Bible, we saw that one of the most important people in the pages of Scripture is a guy named Abram that God later changes his name to Abraham. Abraham literally means the father of many nations. Not just one child, but nations, plural, a lot of people. You see it in Genesis 12 and then in Genesis 17, God says this, I will make you a great, what's the next word? You tell me. Nation, not just you. Abraham, listen, I'm gonna, I love you. I'm going to do a work through you. But Abraham, listen, it's not just about you. I'm going to make a people. Genesis 17, behold, my covenant is with you. He's talking to Abraham. Behold, my covenant is with you. You shall be the father of a multitude of what? Nations, not just you as a person, but you as a people. And then you follow that all the way through the Old Testament and and the nations, the people that God is talking about in the Old Testament, it's the Israelites. And yeah, we see people rise to the surface that God uses. We see David, we see Moses. You know, there's individuals that God uses, but God always uses the individual connected to the people, plural. When Gabriel comes to Mary and and, and Gabriel says to Mary, Mary, you are going to give birth to Jesus. Mary, you're going to give birth to the Messiah that everybody's been waiting on for centuries. We saw it the first week of this series. Mary doesn't simply say, praise God that he's come to save me, even though Mary does say that. Mary goes on to say that God has heard the prayers of her ancestors and the people of Israel. What does she know? She knows this. It's not just about me. I'm a part of something bigger. I'm a part of a people that God is making. 
Here we are, 2018, and you're thinking, well, that's great for them. Where does that leave us? Look at these verses here. I love this. From Galatians 3, 6 through through 9, the Apostle Paul's talking about us. He says, just as Abraham believed God, it was counted to him as righteousness. Know then, watch this, that it is those of faith who were the sons of Abraham. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you shall all the nations be blessed. So then, watch, those who are of faith. Faith in who? Faith in Jesus. Those who put their faith in Jesus are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. So the Apostle Paul comes along and says, listen, all those promises that God gave to Abraham, that that through Abraham was going to come a people, Jesus was born to make a people. And here we are, and every single person who puts their faith in Jesus, we are children of Abraham. So the promises that God makes in Genesis 12, 15, and 17 to Abraham, summit, those are our promises. Did you know that? See, little kids know this, right? I'm glad, I'm glad we got a lot of the little kids in here today. We teach our kids to sing this, don't we? Right? Sing this song. We teach our kids to sing this, right? Father Abraham had many sons. Anybody got this? Many sons had Father Abraham. That's why I'm not in the band. I am what? One of them, and so are you. And then for some reason, the song turns into the hokey pokey. Put your right hand in. I don't know what happens after that. We need to work on that song, whoever wrote that. But we sing this, right? That, that Jesus didn't just come for a person. He came for a people. The promises God's been making from the beginning, I am in that. You are in that. Summit, we are in that. Every church that preaches and loves Jesus, we are in that. We are a part of something today that Jesus was born to make. He died to make. And the Apostle Paul talks about it in Ephesians chapter 2. So hopefully by now you have uh, found that, Ephesians 2. I'm going to read 11 through 22. The words are going to be on the screen here, but let's read these verses. It says this, therefore remember that at one time you Gentiles, stop right there, that's you and me, all right? Gentiles, non-Jews, people who are not born Jews, that's us, all right? We are Gentiles. Gentiles in the flesh, called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at one time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world, but now in Christ Jesus. This is awesome. He's talking about us, guys. You who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ, for he himself is our peace, who made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two. So so not Jew and Gentile. Jesus came to make one new man. He came to make the church. So making peace and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came, Jesus came and preached peace to you who were far off. Peace to those who were near. For through Jesus, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then, watch this. This is for you if you're a follower of Jesus. If not, you can be today. 
So then you are no longer strangers and aliens. You are fellow citizens with the saints, members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God, by the Spirit. See, for centuries, they thought that salvation was only for the Jews, but you read the Gospels and the book of Acts, and here's the Apostle Paul. The Gospel is for Jew and Gentile, you and I. And what Jesus has done, Jesus was born. This is why Jesus didn't just come as a 33-year-old man on Good Friday. This is why Jesus was born in Bethlehem and lived for 30 years before he started his ministry. Jesus didn't simply come and die on a cross. Jesus was born and he lived a sinless, perfect life. Why did he live a sinless life? Why, Why did he die on the cross? Why did he come back from the dead? To make one new humanity. To bring Jew and Gentile together. Jesus is making a people, and that people is called the church. See, so many times we think that the church is a man-made idea. Listen, this was not a man-made, man-made idea. This was God's plan from the beginning, amen? This has always been God's plan. God's plan was always to see people who needed a rescue and to step in and to rescue those people, and he did it through his son. And we are the rescued, Hello? Jesus has come to rescue us and to make one new humanity, the church. And see, the way that plays out in the New Testament is this. When you and I, when we give our lives to Jesus, we become a part of what's called the universal church, right? So we instantly become connected to every single Christian, past, present, and future. But not only are we supposed to be a part of the universal church, the way it works out in the New Testament is that unless we're physically or geographically bound, meaning we can't do it. Otherwise, in the New Testament, every single person that meets Jesus joins a local church, becomes a physical part of the new people that God is making. I love this verse from 1 John. It shows this, 1 John 4, 20. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. For he who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, cannot love God, whom he has not seen. So God wants us to be a part of this church where we show the world the love of Jesus. How do we show the world the love of Jesus? By loving each other. I hear Christians say all the time, well, you know what? I love everybody. Well, you know what? That's easy. You don't know them all. Hello? You don't know them all. Listen, when God says, you can't say you love me, but you hate your brother. Well, I love people. Here's a test. How about these people? I know a lot of you, and you know a lot. We we all know each other. I know where you live. We know where we live. We're friends on Facebook. How about loving these people? Amen? Not love in a generic sense, love in a real sense. See, and it's at that point, it's at that point, it gets real, it gets real hard, right? Because not only is the church essential, but the church is messy. The church is messy, amen? It is. The church is messy. Three times in this passage that we just read, Paul uses the word build or building to show that God is building us into something. I don't know if you remember, a lot of you were here. 
Do you guys remember when we first bought this property and like three weeks later we had a building dedication ceremony and we just came up here as it was? Do you remember that? It looked like straight out of the walking dead up here. It was, oh my goodness, man. I mean, and this place was packed. I mean, there was a ton of people here. People were excited. The band was playing. People came up to me at the end though and they were like, Mark, this is great. We're going to have church here? They were real nervous and here's why because it was a mess, and it was under construction, and so am I, and so are you. Amen? Every single one of us, we, we are all in process. God is building us into something. We're, we're not there yet, but also, praise God, we're not where we used to be. The church is messy. That's why one of the best pictures of the church, honestly, is, is, is the picture of family, the way the Bible talks about church the most is that church is family. How many people here, let's not look, let's, not have, let's just have a judge-free moment, all right? How many people just, you know, just raise your hand to say, hey, you know what, my family, we, we're a mess. Just put your hand up in the air, right? You're going to get with some messy people here. Some of you are looking down the aisle, is it okay if I raise my hand? Because you're crazy, right? Right? <laughs> right? See, let me tell you something about your family. I'm looking a lot of, I see a lot of new people here. Let me tell you something about your family. Let me tell you something about your family. Your family, they're sinners. You know what sinners do? They sin. They sin a lot, right? And, 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 and so the Bible uses this image that the church is family. And see, you go, to the, you go to the Bible, and there is no perfect church in the Bible. You know, if you're a consumer, if you're just a consumer, you can see the mess of the church and say, well, you know what? This church is messy. I'm just going to go find a perfect one. And you can ride your mythical unicorn to that mythical church because they don't exist, right? You go to the Bible, man, the church is a mess from the beginning. In Acts chapter 5, imagine this. In Acts chapter 5, God starts killing all the liars in the church. Oh, my gosh, what if he did that today? Hello? Uh-oh. Listen, in first, listen, the church at Corinth, 1st and 2nd Corinthians, I promise you guys, you should read it. There were things happening in that church. I'm not going to mention it because your kids are here today. There are things happening in that church Jerry Springer wouldn't touch with a 10-foot pole. I, I promise there are. And listen, listen, in 1st Corinthians chapter 1, about that messed up, crazy church, Paul says, I thank God every time I think about, think about you. See, see, the church isn't perfect. Some of you are like, some of you, let's, let's, let's get real for a second. Some of you are like, but Mark, I've been hurt by the church. I've been burned by the church. Can I just say to you something? Can I say something to you for a second? Listen, if you've been hurt or burned by the church, nobody understands that more probably than a pastor. Man, I'm in a lot of settings, and I, I talk to a lot of pastors and church leaders, and every single time a pastor is talking to me about how perfect their church is and how great everything is and how amazing and everybody gets along, I know they're either lying or they're delusional or they just got there yesterday, right? Listen, let's just be real. Of course there are people in this. Let's just talk to our folks. Let's just talk to Summit folk. Of course there are people in this church you disagree with. Of course there are people in this church who are rough around the edges. Of course there are people in this church who are weird. This is family. Right? This family. This family. And see, here's the thing. If we can only be around people who we see eye to eye with on everything, we're going to have a real hard time saying we're Christians. Amen? 
We're going to have a real hard time saying we're Christians. So the church is messy, but also we got to end here. The church is amazing. The church is messy, but man, she is amazing. Right? The, the church is messy. I mean, if you, when you think about the church, if the only thing you think about is how messed up it is and how broken it is, I want to humbly tell you, you're not thinking biblically. You're not thinking with the gospel in mind. Here's why. Because listen, when we look at the church, yeah, we got to look at where she is right now, but we've got to look at where she's going to end up. Hello? Man, my favorite miracle in the Bible outside of the resurrection is one that hasn't happened yet, but one that God tells us about. It's in the book of Revelation. I think it's 19. Revelation chapter 19 is the marriage supper of the Lamb. The marriage supper of the Lamb, it's like the reception after a wedding where everybody gets together and they eat a lot of food and they celebrate that the husband and the wife, they did it, they're together, and now they're a married couple. The marriage supper of the Lamb is that moment where all of the church, past, present, and future, we're all going to be there who are followers of Jesus. We're going to be there with people who don't share our skin color. They were part of a different political party. They were different than us, went to a different church from us. But man, at the core, they loved Jesus. And we're going to be there, and our faith is going to give way to sight, and we're going to see Jesus face to face. And I love that the Bible gives this detail. See, the, see, the Bible says that we, we're the bride of Christ. Do you know what the bride wears at the marriage supper of the Lamb? She wears white. Is this church perfect? No. One day, it will be. Are you perfect? Am I perfect? No. But look at me, one day we will be. And we are dressed in white and we are clothed in the righteousness of Christ and we are without sin and we are without blemish and our faith gives way to sight and we will look at Jesus face to face and we will be there with the church past, present, and future and we will lift up our glass to celebrate that the King of Kings gave his life for us. Amen? Amen? Right? See, when you think about the church you got to think, you know what? She's messy. She is, but she's amazing. Why? Because what God starts, God always finishes. God is going to finish what he started. And that's why I love that at the end of the first advent, when he came for the first time, and he knew it was going to be a while, he knew we were going to wait for the second advent, because we're waiting for Jesus to come back. Amen? Jesus knew it was going to be a while. So I love that what Jesus does at the end of the first advent, he gets his family together around the table. You know that story, don't you? Not his mom and brother, sister, dad, not that kind of family. He's together with the 12 disciples. And the night before Jesus is crucified, he takes those guys into an upper room and sets them down at a table. Think about who was at that table. Judas was at that table. Peter is at that table. All the disciples are there. And Jesus knows that Peter and all the disciples are going to betray him in a minute. We put all of attention on Peter. Every single disciple runs away when Jesus gets arrested because they're all scared to death. Every single person at the table with Jesus is going to betray him. And Jesus calls them friends. And he loved them. And they were a mess. Man, they were amazing. With the exception of Judas, 
Jesus knew that all of them, even though they were going to have a dark moment, they will all come back. With again the exception of Judas. Jesus saw they were messed up, but he saw where they were going to end up. And he loved them so much that Jesus took some bread. And he took that bread and he broke it. And he started to pass it out to his friends. And he said, this is my body. And it's broken for you. And then the Bible says that Jesus took wine. And this is Welch's grape juice. Sorry for the Presbyterians here. We couldn't go that far today. Some of you, I've already been asked, is that wine on the table? (laughs) Calm down. (laughs) Seriously, I've been asked that a bunch of times this morning. This is going to be the best lunch ever. No. (laughs) This is Welch's grape juice, guys. Bought it at Walmart. Calm down. I have to say that. I've been asked so many times, are we drinking today? No, we're not. (laughs) The church is a mess, but we're amazing. And so, so Jesus, Jesus pours wine. He says, and this is my blood poured out for you for the forgiveness of your sins. And then Jesus says, do this in remembrance of me until I come again. Summit, we are Jesus' friends, amen? I love that Jesus Christ invites us to a table, not a judgment seat. The judgment has already been placed. There's no condemnation for us. He was condemned in our place. Where does he invite us to? He invites us to a table. Maybe you're going to have some friends, family over. You're going to sit at the table and have some fun, laugh, and, and, and remember some memories and things like that. This Christmas, Jesus invites us to the table to remember what he's done. And so in your seat or under the seat there in front of you, every single seat has it around them. You might need to look under the seat that's around you. We've given you the elements that you need to partake in the Lord's Supper. And the Lord's Supper doesn't save us. The Lord's Supper is for Christians. If you're here today and you're a partner at Summit, you come to Summit, or maybe you're visiting from another church, you're a follower of Jesus, you're invited to do this with us. You're invited to do this with us today. If you're here and you're not a follower of Jesus, or you're, I don't don't really understand what we're doing. You know what? If you have questions, I would love to talk to you after church. You might just want to skip this part if you're not a believer or or you, you really don't understand it. But Jesus invites us to the table because he was broken and poured out, not simply for our individual sin, but for us as a people. If you're here and you don't have one of, the, one of these cups, would you just put your hand up? We've got people walking around right now who can pass those around, but look under the chair in front of you there. And just go ahead and peel back that top layer there. I'm telling you, peel back the top layer. Mine won't come off. This is live, people. We do this live. It's childproof, somebody says. We're loved in this church. 
There we go. I got it now. Amen. Awesome. Let's pray. Jesus, we are reminded that we are not here apart from any other reason than that your body was broken for us. And we are a part of something so much bigger than ourselves. We are a part of your people. And so we eat today knowing that one day we will eat physically with you at the same table. In your name, Jesus, amen. Now just peel back that second layer. Pray with me one more time. Jesus, your blood was poured out to bring people who were far off into your family. And now in Christ, we are your sons and we're your daughters and we're your friends. And so Jesus, we drink today to celebrate that we are blood-bought people, men and women, family of God, all to your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. you bow in prayer with me this morning? Just with every single head bowed, with every single eye closed. Maybe you're here today and you are a follower of Jesus and you have just forgotten that you've been bought, that Jesus was born for you. He lived for you. He died and came back to life for you. And the enemy might tell you otherwise, but in Christ, if you're here today and you have surrendered your life to Jesus, you are his So just thank God. Thank God for your salvation. Let's not take our salvation for granted. Advent, this Christmas season, is a season to remember what he's done for us and to celebrate. So just give him praise right now. Just thank him. Say, God, thank you for salvation. Thank you for saving me. Thank you that I'm a friend. Thank you that I'm part of your family. Father, we love you and we celebrate you today and what you've done for us. Just with every single head bowed, with every eye closed, you might be here today and maybe God will just over the past couple of moments, he's just spoken to you and said, you know, your faith is it's too consumeristic, kind of sitting on the sidelines and, and God is, is calling you to use your gifts. He's calling you to use your life as a blessing for other people. Maybe you've been coming to even to this church for a while and just kind of on the sidelines and Jesus is saying, you know what, I want you to become a part of this church and these people and to reach and to make an impact in this community. If that's you today, would you just go to God right now and say, God, I, I don't want some consumeristic faith. It's not what Jesus died for. It's not what Jesus you came for. Jesus, you came so that I would be a blessing to the world, so that you would use my life. Jesus, use my life. Or you might be here today and you've never given your life to Jesus. You're not a Christian. I want you to know that being a Christian doesn't mean that we're, doesn't mean that you're trying to be good. Being a Christian doesn't mean that you simply go to church every week. You might go to church every week. That's a great thing to do. But we can't save ourselves, guys. If we could, Jesus didn't need to be born and die. He had to be born, die, come back from the grave because we could not save ourselves. Salvation is offered to you today. If you're here today and you're not a son, you're not a son of God or a daughter of God, you're not a Christian, right now, just as you are, you can give your life to Jesus and be saved. 
If today you want to pray to give your life to Jesus Christ for the first time, I'm going to lead us in a prayer, and I just invite you to pray this prayer with me today. Say, Dear Lord Jesus, forgive me for my sin. Come into my life and save me today. God, I give my life to you right now for the first time. Jesus, thank you for loving me. And thank you for dying for me. Father, for the rest of us, God, I pray that, Jesus, you would remind us, God, as, as we enter into a time where we just celebrate with each other and just and be together and we eat. And God, would you remind us that this was not a person's idea. This was God's idea. This is what Jesus was born and died and came back to life for, to make a new humanity. And God, you're building us into something. We're not done yet, but praise God, you're going to finish what you started. We love you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Right now, would you just take the connection card that's on the seat uh, near you, around you? Would, you? would everybody just go ahead and grab this card for me today? Go ahead and grab this card and our ushers are going to get in place. We're going to receive our offering. And, and just go ahead and fill this card out and let us know what God did in your life today. Maybe just now you, you prayed that prayer to give your life to Jesus. If today you want to be saved, you prayed that prayer to give your life to Christ, on the front of this card, just check that box that says, I gave my life to Christ. Maybe you're here and you want to grow as a Christian. You don't really know how you want help. You can check the box that says, I want help growing in my relationship with Jesus or just anything that God did in your life today. We would love to know about it. Let us know on that card. You can let us know how we can pray for you on the back. And as we're receiving our offering right now, you can just take those cards and drop those into the basket. And I know many of you have given... Last Sunday, or maybe you gave this week online to our Christmas offering. If you did, God bless you. Thank you for that. You can still give today online and right here today to our Christmas 2019 offering. If you'd like to do that, thank you for giving. If you're not prepared to give today, but you want to give online, you can through our app or the website. But I'm going to pray. And uh, it's going to take just a little bit to get some things set up. We're going to put up a lot more tables and make room. Uh, but everybody's invited to stick around. Uh, I hope you and your family will be here with us today to enjoy a meal. Would you guys all stand with me today? So I'll stand up. I'm going to pray. We're going to worship as we give. I'm going to bless the food as well. And uh, we'll slowly make a transition out there. Thank you guys so much for being here today. Let's pray. Father, thank you for Jesus, God, that he's, that, that Jesus, you are a giver. And God, as we give right now, I pray that, that our hearts would reflect how you gave your life for us. God, bless the gift and the giver. God, thank you for this food and the, and the community and the conversation we're about to have. God, I, I just thank you for the family that, that we have here in Christ. We love you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen. God bless you as we give. Go ahead.